I might, I might do some more uh, next Sunday. How many, how many of you was raised in church? One, three, uh, probably half, maybe not, not hardly half. You was raised in church from the, uh, from the time you was like a junior. Uh, now, we used to have Sunday school uh, and used to sit in Sunday school class. What was your favorite Bible story? Huh? David and Goliath. What else? Samson, Noah, and the flood, right? Daniel and the lion's den. You know, all those, all those great stories of the Bible. And, uh, and you think, you know, as you grow up, your mind goes back to those stories. And sometimes we need to revisit some stories uh, of, of the Bible because in those stories there is principles that you learn uh, for, for being successful in life. Now, God said that Jesus came that you may have what? Life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, how many knows that you are opposed from experiencing life? There, they, so I want to I I talk about probably a lot of people's favorite Bible story. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 4. I want to share with you uh, uh, this story that most of you have heard about. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. There's all kinds of theories on how, how tall that was. Nine feet tall, give or take a couple of inches. Uh, he could play center for the Lakers. Okay? His, his armor, if you read the story, his armor weighed over 200 pounds. Uh, that, that would wipe most of us out. The word champion is literally a middleman, one who could decide the outcome of a particular battle by one single fight. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about giants, about that person uh, or that thing in your life that is opposed to you or opposing you, that one who could decide the outcome of a particular battle by one single fight. Every one of us, every one of us has to fight. Every one of you must learn how to fight or you will not survive being a Christian. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 16 says, And the Philistines drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Twice a day for forty days this giant would appear on the slopes of the valley of Elah, and he would belch blasphemies and threats against the armies of Israel, and he would walk back and forth and intimidate and, and scare and, and demoralize the armies of Israel uh, by just simply what he said. Now, I want you to understand something. The 40 is the number of being tested and tried. Every one of us will face particular giants in their life, and the reason they are there is to tempt you and to try you. And your survival and my survival and my peace and my success and your success is going to be determined by how we face these giants. Day after day, he parades across the slope of this valley. 
insulting, intimidating, and challenging. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. Here's the results of what he is doing. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Someone said, Goliath is like the cross-eyed discus thrower. He didn't send any records, but he sure kept the crowd awake. <laughs> Threatening and belching insults. Up to this point, now notice, he is successful in his strategy of intimidation and fear. Notice that no spear has been thrown. Not one drop of Israeli blood has been shed. Now, just words, just this giant of a man walking out in the valley, threatening a whole army, one man against an army, and, not, and there, has, there has been not one sword drawn, not one drop of blood spilled, there has not even been a fight, and up to this point, he has been absolutely successful in everything that he, 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 that he was intended to do, which is demoralize the armies of Israel. But on this day, a young boy named David was going to use a well-worn sling and a smooth stone to introduce this giant to the God of Israel. How's this going to apply to me this morning? How's it going to apply to you? Everyone, everyone, not, no one exempt, everyone in this building has had or will have their rounds with a giant in their life. Some of you may be facing uh, one right now, or maybe possibly two. Spiritual warfare is serious business, and the enemy of your soul is out to destroy you, to defeat you, to demoralize you, and he will do it with words if you allow him to do it. There are people and things that try to keep us from our purpose in life. There, there are people and things that try to separate us from the God uh, of Israel. And if they are successful, they will keep you from your destiny in God. It is serious. How serious is spiritual warfare? I want to read some scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 13. If you read the whole chapter, it's not very long, but if you read the whole chapter, it talks about uh, people who come, uh, so-called prophets who come and prophesy and tell you things and try to entice you away from the God of Israel. It even uh, talks about members of your family who try to entice you to, or draw you away to worship other gods. Now, I want to pick up the story in verse 8. And here's what the scripture says. God is saying, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Now listen, when God fights, he is serious. He's not like the United States. We haven't won a war since World War II. You know why? Because we want to fight a politically correct war. Can I say to you today, the United States cannot win a politically correct war because to win a war, you got to kill people. And unfortunately, women, and I know that this sounds terrible, and some, sometimes Linda says you shouldn't say all that stuff. Women and kids have to be killed. It's the nature of war. 
How was World War II won? They turned the cities into rubble. How many women and children were killed? All of them. How many women and children was killed in Hiroshima and Nagasaki when we top, dropped the atomic bomb? All of them. But you know what it did? It made them sign an unconditional surrender on the battleship Missouri, and the war was ended and it was won. We turned their towns into rubble. We left them, we left them devastated and alone and broke and, and starving. That's how you win a war. You and I are in a war, and God says, don't pity him, don't spare him, or conceal him. But you shall surely do what? Kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. God's holding you responsible. He's holding me responsible. The giant that you're faced with, you can't, better not conceal him. You can't pat a cake with him. You can't put up with him. You're going to have to put your hand on him. You're going to have to put your foot on his neck. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. Verse 10 says, and you shall stone him with stones until he dies. Boy, God's serious about warfare, isn't he? Spiritual warfare is, is serious stuff. It's either kill or be killed. Your enemy is out to destroy you. He is out to defeat you. He is out to rob you of your blessings. He's out to rob you of your peace. He's out to make your life miserable. And, and, if, and if you do not put your foot on his neck, and if you don't kill him outright, your life is going to be a living hell. Not because, not because God wants it that way. It's because you have not learned the art of spiritual warfare. You can't pat a cake with a giant. You shall stone him with stones until he dies. Because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Listen, in analogy, that is talking about us. God has saved us. He has brought us into a land. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt. He brought us out of sin, set us in, brought us into the light, into this marvelous light. And he said, now, listen, this is the way you're going to do spiritual warfare. Don't patty cake with these things. Get this, two things I want you to learn right now. These are timeless truths when it comes to warfare. Killing giants is not accomplished by using Israel's technique. You can't ignore them. They're not going away. <laughs> well, let's just stay right here and let's hide behind this bush and maybe he'll get tired and leave on his own. I mean, if we let him walk all across that valley long enough, maybe he'll trip and fall and hurt himself. Listen, you cannot and I cannot defeat the giants in my life by using their technique. You can't ignore them, nor can you, notice what it says, you can't conceal them. If you have a giant in your life that you are, that you are wrestling with, don't conceal him. Giants are not moved by feelings. Giants are not moved by emotions. You can cry all you want to. You can moan all you want to. You can do everything. That, I'm telling you, that giant is not moved by that. Uh, he'll, he'll, just wait. He'll, he'll just face you the next day. You can cry a bucket of tears tonight. He is not going to move until you do something about him. Secondly, killing giants is not accomplished without great skill and discipline in the use of the Word of God. Someone told me last week they have no Word. 
They don't have the Word of God. I, it would be interesting to see that there was, there was a, a Bible comprehension test, a simple test that was given over the computer on the Bible. Uh, there was a Bible uh, society. It was simple answers, but very few people passed it. They have a Bible on their tables, and they can't pass a simple Bible comprehension test. How are you and I going to win the battle against the giants if you don't have the Word of God in your heart? You have to know the Word of God. Not only do you have to know the Word of God, you have to apply the Word of God to your life. It does not do you any good just knowing the Word. It's the Word done that brings the results. Killing giants is not accomplished without great skill and discipline in the use of the word. Using the sling of faith is a lot harder than swinging the club of flesh. <laughs> that is a good line. Swinging the sling of faith is a lot harder than swinging the club of flesh. What am I saying? You can't defeat giants by your feelings. If you and I went by our feelings, you wouldn't be saved half the time. I don't feel saved. I know you don't. You don't act saved. You have no word in you. The Word of God is more than, this is more than just a good book. This is God's Word on all subjects in life. I don't have the option of whether I want to do this or not. I have the responsibility to obey this book, whether, regardless of my feelings. I don't do this just when I feel like it. Good Lord, most of the stuff in here kills your flesh. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Huh. The sling of faith is hard. Where did, what's David's greatest weapon? His faith in God. Where did he learn that? On the backside of the desert herding sheep, he, had, he got confidence in that sling, and he found out that he could whoop the lion, and he could whoop the bear. And when it came to facing giants, the same God that gave him victory back then was going to be introduced to the God of Israel with a sling of faith and a smooth saw of stone. A rock of the Word of God. Question is, are you facing some giants today? What are you doing about them? They will not go away on their own. They will not pity you. Their intent is to keep you in bondage, rob you of God's best, and the only way out for you is to fight. This morning, grab some rocks. Put them in your sling of faith. And begin to use those things on the things that are causing just disappointment and pain. I'm going to give you a list of giants for those of you that are journaling. I'm going to give you a list. Now, there's a lot of lists, but, but for the sake of time, you can't stay here long enough for me to go through all these. I'm going to give you a list of giants. But just because they're big doesn't mean that they can't be defeated. The bigger they are, <laughs> I was watching, I don't know what we was watching. We was watching a kung fu guy, Jet Li. Oh, man. And, uh, and he was in a fight with these guys, and he, he knocked all three of them in the head. And uh, all at once, the door opens to his uncle's shop. And here's this black guy, about 6'4", and he pulled off his shirt, 
and he's got the old, you know, he, he's ripped, and I'm thinking, run. <laughs> Here's Jet Lee. Not good. But that little guy whoops him. Whoops him. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. You just have to know how to fight. First of all, the giant of fear. Ever had a run-in with this monster? Fear of failure. Fear of crowds. Fear of disease. Fear of heights. Fear of death. Fear of the dark. Fear of being alone. <laughs> Some of you are single and you don't like being alone. I tell you, there's some things worse than being alone. Has been with someone who's hell. That's another giant. <laughs> Whoo! Fear of unemployment, fear of failure, fear of rejection. For years, I wrestled with the fear of rejection, <laughs> intimidated, and I, uh, I spent my life alone because I was afraid to cross the bridge of rejection. And I finally got to the place where I thought, now I can remain alone and not have a date for the rest of my life, or I can conquer this thing. And so I just went out and I told my testimony at a lot of, of sweetheart banquets. I went out and bought myself some books. And The Art of Picking Up Women. Yeah, yes, sir. You got to arm yourself. <laughs> when you're ugly and little, you, you, need a, you need an ace in the hole. You know what I mean? And so I started reading books, and it gave you all kinds of pickup lines. I had pickup lines. I had pickup lines. Yes. yes. See what I got? Ha! She fell for one of them. I mean, I could pick up women in the meat market. <laughs> Everywhere I went, the supermarket, there wasn't no place I could go that if I, if I see somebody I wanted to, I mean, hey, how you doing? Your mother and my mother were both mothers. Hey. We got something in common here. I know that sounds corny. It's exact, I got good at this. It wasn't a night that went by that I came back empty. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got good at this thing. And then my friend started stopping and saying, get in the car. We got some girls. We want you to get in the car for us. I said, what are you talking about? I thought, you want me to pick up you some girls? And so I got smart, and I took my car. I said, okay. But the one I wanted, I put her in front. Fear of rejection. <laughs> oh, you'll be going, Papa Earl. Papa Earl said, go. Been, uh, yeah, uh, okay, I'm going to quit. Fear. Fear will rob you. 
giant is very real to those who, who wrestle with fears, our phobias. This enemy is very real. And he defeats you and poisons your peace and robs you of joy. And you allow him to do so simply because you don't know how to fight. Now, if people are funny. Sometimes people minimize well, this person's having this issue or this person's wrestling with this giant or whatever. You know, the problem is this. You might not have and you might not be facing a particular giant called fear, but I'm telling you, and that's because he's not in your backyard. But don't minimize this giant because he's very real to the person who's wrestling with him. It's not that he's not real. I'm telling you, he's very real and, he, and he's really good at what he does. But so, so don't minimize this. Well, that giant isn't too bad. Listen. Psalms 27 and verse 1, grab yourself some rocks. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 14 of Psalms 27 says this, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Listen to me very carefully. It's impossible to live victoriously for God without courage. You must have courage to live for God. Now listen, that's why the challenge to Joshua is so important. Three times God tells Joshua, be strong, be of good courage. Repeatedly he told him, why? Because you must have courage to live victoriously for God and defeat the giants that you're going to face. Sometimes courage is demonstrated in a simple no. The next time, young lady, when that boy begins to push you, you know, impress you for sex or something on that date, just simply say no. No. I ain't going to do that. You're not worth it. If I'm going to give myself to someone, he's going to be primo. And he's going to have a ring on my finger, and he's going to have a job and money in the bank. And you ain't got none of that. What's wrong with that? Ain't nothing wrong with that. I've been broke, and I've had money, and I like having money better, don't you? Sometimes courage is demonstrated by Standing alone when others around you disappear. Or being faithful when others aren't. Courage. And being confident in yourself, knowing you're doing the right thing, regardless of what other people do. Secondly, the giant of jealousy. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 34. Jealousy is the rage of a man. Jealousy was Cain's problem. He had jealous problems. Jealousy will destroy a friendship. It will destroy a romance. It will destroy a marriage. It will nullify unity on a team. <laughs> Jealousy attacks preachers, teachers, musicians, 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 teachers and preachers, butchers and bakers, candlestick makers, Jealousy. 
What do you do? You pick up a stone. You'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know how you identify 1 Corinthians chapter 13? It's known as what? The love chapter. The love chapter. Love is a, not a feeling. See, you don't defeat giants with feelings. You don't defeat giants with tears. And you don't defeat giants with emotions. Love is a choice, not a feeling. And you use the stone of love and you slay the giant of jealousy. Love suffereth long and is kind. Thanks no evil. On and on and on, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 goes. You can't walk in love and allow the giant of jealousy to thrive. It just won't happen. Thirdly, resentment. It means to feel or to show displeasure at an act, person, remark, or situation from a sense of injury or insult. Resentment attacks when God or somebody else does something different than what you expected. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5, verse 11. It tells a great story. If you've never read the story of Naaman, it is a great story. He has leprosy. He, he is a very important man uh, in his country. Uh, and he has a little Jewish uh, handmaiden that says, there is a prophet in the land of Israel. If you'll go down there, uh, you know, God can, can heal you of that, that leprosy. So he takes this big entourage. He goes down to Elijah. And uh, Elijah don't even come out to see him. Uh, he just tells him, Go dip seven times in, in with this river, I think it's Jordan or whatever. And uh, didn't he come out and see him? And Naaman said, well, I thought he'd do, he'd do thus and such and so and come out and wave his hands. And, not, you know, I thought, you know, you know listen, resentment it, it immediately began to set in. And the giant began to scream at him. He didn't respect you. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And it almost cost him his healing. And a servant just simply come up to him and said, who cares? If you get your healing, who cares? And he said, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't have you have done it? He just asked you to go dip. And he goes down and he dips. And he dips five times, nothing happens. Six times, nothing happens. And all the time, the giant is probably saying, you look so stupid. You look so foolish. This dirty old water, why don't you get out of here and go back? Listen, if he had listened to that giant, I'm telling you, he'd still have his leprosy. But he went ahead and dipped the seventh time, and he came up clean. And he had the right attitude, and he came up clean. And he went back, and he repented, and went back and, and, and saw the man of God. Listen, to kill the giant of resentment, you must deal with everything that comes your way. Now, get this in your heart. To kill the giant of resentment, you must deal with everything that comes your way as a means of growth. Did you get that? Everything. Everything. Things aren't going my way. Everything. I don't like what's going on. Everything. How much is everything? Everything. <laughs> to kill the giant of resentment, you must deal with everything that comes your way as a means of growth. And we know that what? 
All things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. What are you going through that's causing you problems? You need to look at that thing as a means of growth or it will defeat you and reduce you and rob you of your peace and your joy and you'll be all, in the, all involved in the process of resentment. Listen, God knew it was coming. You just haven't learned how to handle it. When are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? When are you going to quit allowing your emotions and your feelings to rule your life and to rob you? You need to be word-oriented, not feelings or emotion-driven. You must overcome your resentment against God. God let my mama die. If she's in heaven, that's good. Or he let my child die, or God did this, or God did that. Why is it that God gets blamed for all the negative stuff? He's a good God. I don't care what kind of a report you get. It doesn't change God's, God's attributes. He's good. His mercy endures forever. He's good. You get mad at God. People get mad at God all the time. And they allow this giant of resentment to begin to build a case against God. God is not the author of your issues. He is the author of your escape from the giants that plague you. You must overcome your resentment against your members of your family. I'm not the only one that has family members I have to work at loving I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Jeff. No. I'm only kidding. It's amazing what comes out under the anointing, isn't it? <laughs> You've got to overcome your resentment against members of the family. Members of your family will sometimes disappoint you. If they haven't, they will. Isn't that good news? How are you going to handle it when they, when they disappoint you? You're going to use it as a means of growth. You're going, to, you're going to forgive them. You're going to let them go. Learn how to deal with it, your resentment. Your church family is going to do things. Sometimes your church family hurts you worse than anybody else. What are you going to do? Are you going to live with this giant of resentment and allow it to poison your future and your present? Rob you of your joy and your peace, and now your joy is gone, your passion's gone. Listen, you've got to look at these things as a means of growth. That, that listen, it's, things are going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive and release and go on and live for God. I'm going to kill this giant called resentment because life's too short to live that way. <laughs> resentment against your boss. So you was passed up for your promotion, huh? Didn't get that raise you thought you deserved. Hmm. Resentment against the teacher. I worked hard and he gave me that D minus. I got that report in. Resentment. Immediately the giant screams out. Starts walking in your backyard and screaming all kinds of stuff at you. And the reason we got to deal with the resentment is because resentment has a brother called bitterness. 
If you don't deal with resentment, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about a root of bitterness. You see, all the giants have brothers. Right? You know the story? The giants have brothers. And resentment has a brother called bitterness. And if you don't deal with the resentment, bitterness is following close on his heels. And when the root of bitterness begins to set in in your spirit, then you're going to defile. The scripture says many are defiled because they'll pick up on your spirit. Not only will your life be ruined, but many people will be harmed around you because you did not deal with the resentment and now it's turned to bitterness. How do you handle it? You pick up a rock called forgiveness. You see, you're not required to drink the bitterness of resentment. While Jesus was on the cross, they lifted a cup to his mouth. Remember? And it was bitter. And he rejected the cup. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. You're not required to drink the bitterness and resentment of the cup that life has thrown you. But you can choose to look at the good side. So you've been diagnosed with cancer. I can be mad at God if I want to. But God knew what I was going to go through, and God knew what he was going to go through. How are you going to handle that? We went down south, and I was going to take my last infusion on Thursday, and they didn't have enough medicines. So after they, they had hooked me up to the IV and all that stuff, and then they come in and said, we don't have enough to make up a full dose of the medicine you need. And I'm looking at my arm. The giant yelled, don't you just cuss. <laughs> I thought about that. I even let a few words go through my mind <laughs> before I got control. And he was, when he come up to tell me, he was like, he was, he was like, this guy's going to jump on me. I almost did. I'm thinking... I said, I'll just come back next week. You, you know, whatever. But we was given our story. Linda and I was giving our story to a new doctor we had met. And we was telling him how during the surgery, nothing was found. And everything that was taken out was all negative and everything. And uh, he was young. And, and he was, he, the way he was responding to Linda, I knew he didn't believe a word she was saying. You know, it's one of those doctors, well, man, that, that's just good news, and da 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 and, you know, you got this, and, you know, and everything. And he said, I, I, I got to go. He said, I can't use this computer. He said, I got to go outside and use another computer and get the pathology report. So when he left the room, I told Linda, I said, he don't believe you. <laughs> he don't believe a word you're saying. <laughs> but he came back, and he said, you're right. Nothing in that report. Couldn't find nothing. Everything's negative. And we, we tried to tell him. But instantly he thought, 
Because when someone tells you of a miracle, it's unbelievable to them. They're not in the same wavelength. Listen, the giants are going to come. You have to know how to respond to them. I'm not saying that I always respond right, okay? But listen, you've got to learn how to get back. If you do respond wrong, get back on track. Fourthly, giant of loneliness. True story. There was an ad in a Kansas newspaper which said, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comments for five bucks. You know how many lonely people there are? Loneliness is a killer. Some people feel alone in a crowd. I never understood that. That's one of those giants that I don't understand. He yells at you that no one cares. No one understands you. No one cares. He isolates you. He separates you from family and from friends and tells you that you're not important. He'll tell you all kinds of things. I was told when I was young, and the words that built the fear of rejection in my heart was, they don't really want you around. And that was told to me several times. They don't want to put up with you because I would want to go with someone and that response is, and, and that built a stronghold in my thinking. And it wasn't, it took me years and years to overcome that. Loneliness, being, being alone, being separated, listening to all those lies the giants say. Listen, can I say to you, all of that is a lie. You are loved. You are important. You are never alone. Jesus said, I am with you. Always, even to the end of the age. Now, so you, you have to fight this stuff with the rock of God's Word. How important are you? I'll show you a cross. That's how important you are. He died for you. That's how important you are. You're not junk. God didn't make no junk. He has a plan, purpose for your life. And the sooner you get a grip on the giants in your life, the sooner your life is going to get back to some kind of normalcy. If you're alone, maybe, you're un, you, maybe you don't show yourself friendly. Just a thought. If when we dismiss, you head for the door like a stampeding herd of cows, and you don't wait for somebody to shake your hand or greet you, it could be, it could just be that you're the one running. Nobody invites me to lunch. Have you thought about inviting somebody yourself? I'm always open for a free lunch. <laughs> you stick around long enough, you offer to buy, <laughs> I'll beat you to the car. <laughs> all how you approach this stuff, all what you see, don't listen to the giant. Number five, and I'm going to quit. Procrastination. I wrestle with this guy a lot. He is not scary. He is not scary, but he's devastating to those who put up with him. He'll rearrange facts. He is a master of logic, 
you step on the scales and the scale says, you step on the scales and they go, oh! And logic says, but I got a donut left and it's a sin to let it go to waste. Sometimes when someone calls your attention to this giant of procrastination in your life, you'll defend him. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, you need to change. Procrastination, what is that? It's a big word. Putting off till tomorrow or putting off something that you need to be doing today. You hear the truth. You need to get right with God. Oh, I will someday. Someday, I will. I'm young. I got plenty of time. The giant yells, in fact, tells you, you have plenty of time. Jesus is not coming probably for many, many years, and you're young and healthy, and, and there, there is, you know, so you, you know, don't rob yourself of, of life's pleasures and you'll be able to take care of stuff. And when it, time comes and you finally decide that you want to get right with God, then you can do that. You just put it off. <laughs> His specialty is stealing time. You can read the paper from cover to cover, but can't read your Bible for five minutes. You have time for self, but you don't have time for God. You can watch the TV for hours and not time, find time to pray for just a few minutes. Hmm. Fatal distractions. He's seeking to keep you away from connecting with God. All too often, too late, People see their mistake. And some stroll to the grave arm in arm with this giant called procrastination. Procrastination has killed ministry after ministry after ministry. Procrastination has stopped ministry after ministry from being birth. You know God has something for you to do, but, well, I really don't have time to do this now. Uh, I'll do it later when I have more time. My schedule's really packed. I'll just do it later. Uh, opportunity for ministry everywhere, but I don't have time on my calendar. Uh, I just, I'll get around to it one of these days. Procrastination. Someone said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Someone came up to me today and said they have a friend facing open heart surgery who's not right with the Lord. And the giant is telling him today that it'll happen to everybody else, but it won't happen to him. That he has time, even facing major open heart surgery. The giant is telling him, it's okay, put it off. You'll come through, surgery will be fine. Don't get scared. You're okay. Procrastination. Procrastination. Putting off till tomorrow. 
what you and I need to do today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, bow before you. I present this congregation to you. Many giants that we face in our life, God. Many. And all of them can only be defeated by the rock of your word and the sling of faith. By coming to grips with issues and learning how to fight in spiritual warfare. And I challenge this congregation that now some may be facing some giants today that is, that is robbing them of their peace and their joy. Robbing them of, of their future and contentment. Wrestling, Lord God, with resentment and with fears and loneliness. Some today in this building may feel like nobody cares for them. Today, I, I want you to speak to their heart. There is someone who cares. You may be rejected by everyone, but there is one who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. You are never alone. Procrastination. Many in this building, Lord God, may be wrestling with this giant today. And he's screaming at them. You don't have to make decisions for Christ. Put it off. You've got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Don't deprive yourself of the pleasures of this life. You can make that decision for the Lord later. You've got time. You've got time. Today is the day of salvation. What giants are you facing that you need to conquer this morning? It's kill or be killed. Stone them till they die. <laughs> you pick up the rock of God's word and you start beating on them until they get out of your life and leave you alone. While no one's looking around, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, but you want to make a decision for him today, you put it off maybe, but you want to make a decision today to live for God. Let me see your hand across the building. My eyes are coming across the building today. Don't procrastinate anymore. Don't give in to the giant called procrastination. Overcome your fear. Overcome your fear of, of receiving and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Let me see your hand across the building. Anybody in this building want a fresh start this morning? Want a fresh start, Pastor, today? God bless you. Fresh start today. Right up and right down. In the back. Fresh start. 
God bless you, partner. Took courage to do that. Be courageous today. Be courageous. Takes, cur takes courage to live for God. Any wimp can flow downstream with a crowd. Takes courage to live for God. Takes a man, woman, boy, or girl to live for God. Anybody can act like the rest of the world, but it takes somebody with courage to live for Jesus. Here's today, my hand. Everybody stand with me across the building. We're going to pray. Those of you that raise your hand want that fresh start, you're going to get it this morning. All of us are going to pray. And those of you that raise your hands, I want you to mean it with all your heart when we pray. And if you do, we believe that God's going to come in and restore you and, 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 and receive you and save you. And today will be the first day of the rest of your life. Everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my life and make me new. Today, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give God a good hand this morning. Those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, you come up. I want to see you, okay?